the elder, to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your chosen sister send their greetings. This is the word of God. Thanks very much, Celine. Um, we have been going through over the summer just short books, uh, short book series of books that you can read in one setting. Um, and after today, we'll actually start a new series on the, uh, I don't know if you know this, but this year, um, it marks the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, beginning of the, uh, beginning of the Reformation. So we'll start that series next week. Uh, but th- these are not words that we sort of, we read often, um, Second John, Third John. So why don't we pray that the Spirit will talk to us, uh, that he will build us up through these words. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that it is your word that transforms our lives. And Lord, we pray now that you would fill us with your spirit. Open our eyes to see the truth of these words. And we pray that the spirit will prepare our hearts um, to be fertile soils uh, where your word will be uh, planted and, and grown and bear great fruit for your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but I think many of us have become cynical um, in these days. It's hard to discern as we watch the news and things, what's true and what's not true. I don't know from what source, maybe where you get uh, your news. Do you read the Apple Daily? Do you read the uh, SCMP or the New York Times or uh, Fox News? It's not just the political news um, that we have a difficult uh, time discerning. We become cynical towards all truths, political truths, religious truths, philosophical truths. Many people just throw their hands up in the air and say, actually, why bother? We can't know what's true anyway. Why bother try to discern what is true? Truth is in decline. On the other hand, love has never been more popular. 
Love is something that we think that we instinctively know what it is. We know that this is important and we know that this is the substance of life. And we sing, all we need is love. And rather than asking, you know, whether a religion is true or not, we ask whether it produces people who love or not. And if it produces people who love, we say, of course, that must be true. How different is the world of the Bible, where actually truth and love go together. Not only truth and love, but truth, love, and obedience. The thing that we don't even think about, they all go together. John writes this letter in verse 1, to the lady chosen by God to her children. This is probably another way of saying that he's writing to the church. The church is the lady, and her children um, are the, the, the members of that church. But here in verses 2 to 6, see how John connects truth, love, and obedience together as one. Now, I think the easiest way to see that is to see the phrase walk in the truth, walk, um, walking in. You can find it in verse 4, walking in the truth. And in verse 6, you can find that again, twice more, walking in obedience to his commands and to walk in love. And he uses that phrase, walk in the truth, love, and obedience, almost interchangeably. If there's a mathematical equation, there would be sort of equal sign in all these things because they are three sides of the same thing. The three uh, faces of the same thing. This is because truth produces love. Truth produces love because truth is not just some abstract thing. Truth is Christ. That's why, I mean, see how John writes in verse 2. He says that truth lives in us and will be with us forever, right? This isn't something that is just abstract. It's Christ who said, I am the truth. He said, he's saying that truth lives in us and will be with us forever. And the inevitable result of being in the truth of Jesus Christ is that it produces people who love, people who are like him. And if you remember, we did a series on 1 John a long time ago. That is the logic behind 1 John. Remember what he wrote in 1 John 4, 10 through 11? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, that's the truth. Not that we loved God, but God had loved us first. That's the truth. He's trying to ground us in that truth. And then he goes on to say, then, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The logic of the whole thing is we love because God first loved us. Our love for each other grows out of that soil of that truth. And that's why in order for us to become more loving people, we can't just tell people to be more loving. We can't just say, you should love more. That's not how we become more loving, right? In order for us to grow in love, we need to feed on Christ's love. We need to feed on that truth of what God has done for us, that God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, that we are unconditionally loved by God, that he gave himself for us. And when we ground ourselves in that truth, we also become more loving. 
we become like him. We want to love more, love him, and love others more. Many people tell me that Shatin Church is a loving church, and if it is that way, I hope that is because we are grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ, because we have studied this gospel deeply, because this truth is ingrained in us, that it lives in us. It will be with us forever. And that love of God, that love that needs to, it, it should lead, lead to obedience, Obedience to Jesus Christ. Remember, walk in the truth, walk in love, but then also walk in obedience to his commands, John said. We think that love and obedience are not related. They're completely opposite things, but John doesn't see it that way. John told us that God had given us, Jesus has given us one command in verse 5, love one another. But look how he follows it in verse 6. He doesn't talk about just one command to love each other. He goes on to say that this is love, that we, we walk in obedience to his commands. And that command there is in plural. To walk in love is to obey his many commands. Love produces people who are obedience, obedient to Christ's commands, the Bible that has been revealed to us. You see how this again goes against some people who think that, well, Jesus told us to love one another, so that replaces every other thing, all the other things. We can disregard other teachings of the Bible, uh, other commands. After all, all we need is love, don't we? Well, friends, that's not how the Bible pictures this. Think about it. To those who cannot forgive, what do you do? The loving thing. The loving thing is to steer them towards obeying Christ's command to forgive. To those who are greedy and believe, well, that's just how it is. That's how I am. That's how the world is. The loving thing to do is to love them in such a way to show them that actually it's not, that greed is not something that is good for us, that Christ uh, to, to commands us to be generous. People justify all kinds of sexual sins as well. We can't just support people in their sins. We need to tell them the truth about these so that we might obey Christ. We can't abandon the truth in order to love because love leads us towards obedience. But but we live in a culture where truth is relative, where people don't believe in these commands or in, in any authority. And so we often take God's commands out from love. You know, a wife is supposed to just support their husband, no matter what they do, and vice versa. You know, why don't you support me when I say things like this? Or um, children, parents are supposed to just support their children, no matter what their decision is, and to object, to sort of steer them towards any other thing. They say, well, that's not loving. Well, that cannot be true. Loving means steering people to the truth, to Christ and to his commands, even if it's difficult for us to say things like this, even if it's difficult for them to hear it. Loving means steering people to obedience of Christ. Of course, we do have to remember that all of that, we need to do that out of love. We can't forget love 
Because the love, love sums up the law. It doesn't replace the law, but it is at the heart of it. It, it, it summarizes it. So if we tell others about God's commands, about what he said, how we should live, then we ought to do them with love. Without love, it's just telling people off. Without love, it's not caring about that person. Without love, it's just self-righteousness on display. Love must shape how we say, how we show these truths. The truth of Jesus Christ leads to uh, love, and love leads to obedience of him. And we can't take any one of his three sides away. Friends, I wonder which one you don't take seriously, which one you think is less important, truth, love, or obedience. But this letter isn't just about theory of love truth and obedience. John's writing because there are people who have uh, strayed away from the truth of Jesus Christ, and it's devastating. The problem is, he says in verse 7, that there are those who do not acknowledge Jesus as coming in the flesh. These are people who taught that Jesus was truly God, but not not truly a man that he didn't really become a man. It went directly against what John wrote in his opening words, right? In John 1, the famous words in John 1, uh, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. These are people who are denying that fundamental truth of Jesus Christ. John might have had Gnostics like Serinthus in mind who believe that Uh, that there was this man called Jesus, a righteous man, and the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus at his baptism. And then it left Jesus before the cross. They believed this because they couldn't, they they believed that the world and our human flesh and, and the body was diametrically, were diametrically opposed to the spiritual world. They could not believe that God would humiliate himself to become flesh, become skin and bones, to, come, to condescend, condescend himself to be really in this world. So they rejected the doctrine of incarnation, and they denied that Jesus had become flesh. Now, this doctrine is of utmost importance Um, Because it has to do with our salvation, how we really need Jesus to be fully man and fully God in order for us to be saved. And that's why, you know, the Nicene Creed, the section on Jesus Christ is the longest, right? Because uh, the church wants you to, uh, wants you to uh, make sure, wants to make sure that you know that Jesus has to be fully God, you know, God from God, light from light, begotten, not, not made of one being with the Father and so on. But for our purpose, uh, in, in the context of this letter, let me highlight just one error uh, that they get wrong. If the Gnostics are right, and Jesus didn't really become a human being, then I think what, we, what, what would happen is that we have to go along with the Gnostic belief that our bodies are not important, that this world is not important, that our salvation is an escape from this body and from this world. 
To be spiritual, that means not concerning ourselves with this worldly thing, with our flesh and body, but to concern ourselves with the special knowledge. That's where the Gnostic comes from. That not, not, gnosis means knowledge. But special spiritual knowledge that sort of upgrades you spiritually. That's what they were concerned with. The spiritual things, but they were not thinking about the physical things. But the, think about the implications of that. When truth goes awry, love goes awry. Obedience to Jesus Christ goes awry. Did you think about why in this uh, letter, why John is so concerned that you love each other? It was probably, it's my guess, that these are, uh, it's because these Gnostics were so spiritual that they weren't loving. Rather than giving food to the needy, uh, drink to the, hung, uh, to the thirsty, clothing the poor, it might have meant that they were just not concerned with this world. The needy uh, people around them, they weren't helping them. They weren't loving them. You see, when the truth goes awry, love goes awry. Obedience to Jesus Christ to go and do these things go awry. And look how seriously John treats this false teaching. He calls these people deceivers and antichrist in verse 7. Antichrist, people who are literally opposed to Jesus Christ. He tells us in the next verse that we could lose our salvation if we follow these false teachers. In fact, anyone who does not continue in the teaching of Christ, in the belief that Jesus became flesh, does not have God, verse 9 he says. This is a serious thing. Are you convinced that if we believe the wrong things, we might end up not loving and not obeying God at all? I don't know anyone around me who identifies as a Gnostic. People who say, identify as Christian, but reject that Jesus was fully man. But I know plenty of people who just don't think that this worldly, this world our bodies and this world that God has created is unimportant. That our salvation has very little to do with this world. Well, that's not true. And there are so many other heresies um, that we need to watch out for. They're all around us. There are plenty of liberal Christians, liberal people who claim that Jesus was a great man, a great teacher, a philosopher, people who, a person who is completely open to God, but not God. That we should learn from him. But they deny the miracles. They deny that he died and he rose again. That he's not God, and that's not right. There are many people who deny the uniqueness of Jesus. These people who say all religions lead to the same God and take offense at Jesus' claim that he is the way, truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through him. There are those who teach that we're saved by works. In the case of the, uh, much of the Catholic Church, that we need grace and uh, our works. And two weeks back, we heard about the heresy that Jude addressed, people who go the opposite extreme, people who say we're saved by grace, And so, therefore, it doesn't matter if we sin. People who do not take sin seriously, that it might lead us to the rejection of Christ. 
Are we thinking and discerning Christians? Are you aware that there are false teachers all around us? That some of them are very subtle. They sound just like ours, except uh, a couple of things that, that, that have gone awry. And if you don't take that seriously, if you're not watching out for these things, do you also realize that you're, the way that you love God, the way that you love others, our obedience to Christ is also, are also in jeopardy as well. But then false teachers and false beliefs are everywhere around us. So the question is, how do we deal with them? What, what, what are we to do with those people who teach these things, who believe um, these things? How are we to deal with them? I mean, the church is supposed to be this one place where people are supposed to be welcome no matter who they are, no matter what they believe, isn't it? But then, uh, take a look at verse 10, what John says. He says, If anyone comes to you, and does not bring this teaching, the teaching that Jesus is Christ, has come in flesh, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. That's harsh. The code of hospitality, as you know, is written into the Middle Eastern culture. It's written into the kingdom culture. The Bible tells us to be hospitable. But we're here we're told not to welcome these people. To do so would be to share in their wicked work. Is that what we are to do with those who don't share our truth to the non-Christians around us or people who are Christians but maybe believe in different things? Are we not to share a meal with them, not to welcome them to our homes? I think, of course not. Of course not. This isn't about who you have over as house guests. Uh, It is about false teachers. John tells us in verse 7 that these false teachers have gone out into the world to spread their false teaching. And also, I mean, these were so evangelists for false belief. And not only that, the homes, there were also churches back then. So John's command is more about not welcoming these false teachers into the churches, Um, inviting them to show hospitality. uh, In showing hospitality, would be giving platform to spread their false teaching. And this also isn't just about people who have trivial errors, right? These are people who made a fundamental error. They denied that Jesus had become a human being. And this isn't, uh, this isn't about a doctrinal uh, disagreement about how the church should be governed or uh, whether baptism by sprinkling of water is valid or even how to do communion. This, this is about a serious thing. These are against also people who are called antichrists, people who oppose Christ. And if John is to love the church, John needs to protect the church from these false teachers. The way for John to love the church is to not have these people come in to the church. We ought to love everyone. We ought to show hospitality to everyone around us. Muslim imams, Buddhist monks, evangelists of atheism. 
We can welcome them to our homes, show hospitality. Being Christ-like means welcoming those who would have, we would have never associated with. People who are very different, people who believe in different things. But that doesn't mean that we invite them over to our church to give the sermon, to give them a platform to spread their false teaching and false belief because we must guard the truth that has been given to us, to the church. But in the end, the truth, guarding the truth matters to us, for us, because this truth isn't just about theory out there. None of it is just theory. We know that the truth became a human being. What what the scripture embodies, all that this points to had become a human being in Jesus Christ. And that's why we care so much about all of this, about Jesus Christ, because this Christ really became, God became flesh. He dwelt among us. He lived, and then he died for us. And in, on the third day, he rose again for us. And that means that he will bring this, uh, a physical resurrection. That means that the world will be made anew, that we will live in the new creation. All of that is the truth. All of that had pointed to Christ, and we care about the truth because we love Jesus Christ. And if we take that seriously, if we take all these truths that point to Christ seriously, we will continue to grow in love. In love for God and in love for each other. How could we not if we remain in him? But not the kind of sort of fluffy love that has no substance, but love that produces obedience, obedience to Christ. So friends, there are false teaching all around us. So let's walk in the truth and let's walk in love and let's walk in the obedience to Christ. Let's pray. live in this world where your truth is not taken seriously. No truth is taken seriously. We pray now that you would fill us with your spirit and ground us in the soil of your truth. The truth that's revealed to us. The truth that points to Christ and the amazing love that we have in him. And in that soil... Help us to grow as people who are loving. Help us to grow as people who love and steer people into obedience to Jesus Christ. That all that we do, all that we say, might point to that truth and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.